So we're, uh, we're wrapping up our series, Gifted, today. Um, it's, uh, we, we've been looking at uh, Romans 12, where there's just a, a listing out um, of spiritual gifts that, that uh, the Spirit gives to uh, us, to people. But there, there's, the one thing we haven't really jumped into deeply is why. We've said things like build up the church, and that's true. But there's, there's something more that's going on because gifts send messages, right? Anytime you get a gift, someone's saying something to you. So when I get socks for Christmas, my wife is telling me that my socks are holy and it's, it's embarrassing. And when I give her perfume, it's because she smells bad. Isn't that, isn't that weird though? Isn't, it, isn't perfume a weird thing? I, flowers I get, perfume I don't, but it's a thing. Um, and I think, uh, oh yeah, another one I get is tools. That's, uh, it's, if you know me, you know that I'm not uh, super handy. <laughs> and so there's always like a hint like, oh, I've been asking you to do this for six months and you said you don't have what's necessary because you're afraid of Home Depot. Here you go. <laughs> so there's, uh, there, gifts are given for reasons. It's not, just, uh, it's not just for fun, although it can be that. Gifts are, are often given because uh, God, uh, we're asking someone to do something or we think that they should do something. And God's gifting to us is no different. So we're going to look at Ephesians 4 today, another place where Paul talks about uh, spiritual gifts, and, and just to see why, what's the purpose behind all, what's going on, what, 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 what does God have in mind for us uh, with all of these different gifts. So let's, let's read together uh, the, this text. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers— to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. Right here, Paul, Paul kind of gets, gets us behind the scenes. This is why God's doing this. Now, first thing I want you to notice, though, is, uh, is that the, the gifts he's talking about here, we didn't cover like three of them, right? We didn't cover apostles. We didn't cover evangelists. We did do prophets. We didn't cover uh, pastors. We did cover teachers. The point is that Paul actually talks about spiritual gifts quite a bit in the New Testament in a number of, number of different places, and he has different lists wherever he goes. And there's been some controversy saying, well, what are the, what are the actual gifts? I mean, is it, if, if Paul doesn't talk about it, is it not really a spiritual gift? Um, or is Paul just kind of generally, he's, he's noticing things that the Spirit has done, and he's, and he's kind of giving like, oh, I, this is something I've noticed. Uh, the Spirit gives some people to be uh, teachers, some to be, we've done a lot of different things, merciful, uh, givers, encouragers, um, teachers, a lot of different stuff. It, but is that it? Is, is there a possibility that there might be other gifts out there? I tend to say yes to this, just because I don't necessarily want to limit uh, what God can do. And also, because um, just a couple years ago, we built a trebuchet. This is a trebuchet. It's, a, it's an ancient, uh, or not ancient, but a medieval uh, warfare siege device. Maybe they, they probably had them in the Roman Empire. I don't know. I don't know anything about trebuchets. All I know is that Lindsay one day was like, in order to make our event awesome, we need a trebuchet. And I was like, okay. No one knows what that is. And yet, the trebuchet got made through a combination of engineers Accountants, handy craftspeople. I watched the whole the whole thing. Didn't lift a finger, and yet by Harvoween we were able to uh, chuck pumpkins from the parking lot onto the field where they exploded. Now that was awesome. 
And I don't know if there's a spiritual gift for trebuchet making, but something was going on there, right? So there was a, there was, the Spirit was, was moving to, to bring the, the community together at a very, at a transitional time in our church's history. And, and there was this idea that happened, and then, and then the, the church came together, and, and, it, and it was awesome. It's in disrepair now, so uh, I think we got like three or four events out of it. But by the last one, it was uh, so broken down that um, it was shooting backwards and almost uh, hit an Escalade, um, which would have been very bad for our insurance premiums. So, but my point is, if you have the spiritual gift of trebuchet making, or whatever, helping, you know, I don't, I don't know what that is, but, but if, if that's something that, well, we, it's, it's right over there, it's parked in the, in the back, and I would love to see it used again someday, and I'm hopeless, so if that's something that interests you, let me know. The bottom line is this, uh, the first thing in your note sheets, there's lots of gifts we didn't cover, so you might have to keep looking to discover yours. We did cover a ton. We did like seven or eight different gifts. Um, but there's other stuff out there. And if nothing, you know, pricked your heart, if nothing uh, pricked up your ears, well, there's more. You can, do, you can search elsewhere in the scripture. It's like 1 Corinthians uh, 12, I think, is, is a good place to go um, here in Ephesians 4. And you can also just kind of think, I mean, what is it that God's called you to do? Like, what do you do? What could you do? And maybe there's a gifting there that the Spirit has given you to make that happen. But let's go, let, let, let's, let's see it. What is it for? What's it for? We, we mentioned build up the church, and you're going to see it here in this text. Uh, but what exactly, why? Why? What's happening here? Right? Uh, we're going to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. To maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine or by people's trickery, their craftiness and deceitful scheming. We've got to know our stuff. Notice there, the, the, the key is to bring a unity of faith and a unity in the knowledge of the Son of God, to know who Jesus is. And notice also the language that Paul is using. It's the language of children and adults, of growing up. Right? So presumably you come here at some point and you're just a kid in faith. You don't know who Jesus is. You don't know what Jesus is about. But Paul says at some point you, you've got to grow up. You've got to reach maturity. I was told this week that I need to own the fact that I'm a millennial. And this is really hard for me because I hate my generation a lot. Uh, I'm 81, I was born in 81, so just like technically I, I'm like right on the edge. But it's true. I have to say, uh, are you guys millennials or are you Z? What are you? Z, do, what, are the, what does the Z mean? Do we know yet? Okay, we're still waiting to find out. You seem like decent folks, so hopefully we're turning a corner. What's that? That's not true. You guys are awesome. I have a lot of hope for the future. Oh, you're saying, you're saying the other kids your age are terrible. Okay, that's probably true. I have hope for the future. But uh, a lot of you have been asking me, so I, I did, because um, a lot of you have millennials in your employ. We have some business owners here. So I got you some tips for managing millennials. Um, here we go. Uh, make, make teamwork a part of your company's culture. Focus on results. Take advantage of my electronic literacy uh, embrace diversity and flexibility. Allow remote work and tele- telecommuting. Millennials are interesting. We, it's, a lot of you think that you're supposed to show up to work. Pfft, no way. 
I, I've, been, I've been doing uh, Zoom teaching for like 10 years. And thank God for the pandemic where we all found out I don't need to show up anywhere ever. Like I really, I can do everything in my job pretty much from my bed except for meeting you. That's it. Like there is no reason for me to be in there except to keep calling company. Um, I can do it all. And it's just kind of offensive to me that you would assume that, uh, that I should be somewhere at some time. And, and also, I, I, I'm, I'm bothered by the, the fact that, that you think that, a lot of you come up to me like, uh, Tom, I think that you should be doing this. Really? Who are you to tell me how to do what I'm doing? Let's just focus on the results. Don't worry about the methods we got there. Just because you've been doing it for 100 million years and it works great, doesn't mean I shouldn't be allowed to, you know, reinvent the wheel if I want. And I like to be flexible and diverse. Do you know how special I am? Like, I... My parents have been telling me how special I am for 40 years. Like, I am awesome. And the fact that you would treat me like just anybody else, it just, I, I don't know, rubs me the wrong way. So if you could uh, work on that, I think you'll get a lot, more, um, a lot more out of your millennials. And that's because, of course, the millennials are the most disappointing generation, as Sam said, uh, because we are the first generation to never grow up. We are just children in larger bodies. We have no self-control. We um, are obsessively self-focused. It's, it's, it's a kind of a really sad take. Um, it's, and it's, it's, all, it's our parents' fault. So blame them. <laughs> now, the millennials, that's not the way uh, to, to make a human being. Uh, if, there was, if there's a human being who, in, in my opinion, embodies what uh, you're supposed to be, it's, uh, the great, in my opinion, the greatest man of the, of the 20th century. Uh, here he is. Winston Churchill. Now, this guy was serious. I mean, he was, a, he was an amazing human being. He was a, he was a combat veteran. Um, and then he got into politics. Uh, when Hitler was rising, he was the, the voice of, of, of the West saying, dude, we cannot appease this guy. He's lying. He's not telling us the truth about his intentions. Hey, everybody, I've been to war. I know what it's like. I've been around the world. I've seen a thing or two. I'm tough as nails. I'll stand my ground. But I am telling you, this guy is a liar. And we have to do something. What Winston Churchill was really good at uh, in in the 1930s and 40s was, was decoding the fake news. And seeing through the lies, recognizing what was true and what was important. And he, and he was the kind of guy who would, who would, would uh, put a line in, in, in the sand and he would say, this, here I stand, I can do no other. See, and actually a lot of this from that Zelensky guy in Ukraine. I mean, do you hear, apparently he used to be a stand-up comedian. Did you know this? And apparently now he's like the president or the prime minister or whatever. And he's like, he's like fight till you die. I mean, it's like, this guy is intense. He's, he's hardcore, and I see in that none of this millennial squish stuff, but instead like that, the backbone of, an, of a real adult, someone who is actually capable of critically thinking and, 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 and committing and staying with. And did you hear the language that Paul was talking about? He's like, look, there's a whole bunch of people around who are, they, they want to lie to you. They want you to be, you know, sent off to the side. And kids don't know. You know, you could tell a kid anything, and they'd be like, yeah, okay, sure. You could tell a kid, Santa Claus is real. They'll believe you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> of course he is. 
He's a jolly man who flies around the world. Who, 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 who could possibly doubt him? Also, that elf on the shelf. He's real, too. I, what's that? I, I, know, I know that that was a joke. I'm, I'm with it. I get it. No one... Well, I hope. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no, Santa Claus is awesome. Santa Claus is super rad, and I love him very much. Oh, my gosh. Should be in children's church. Okay, uh, yeah. Kids will believe anything. Adults supposedly aren't. Adults are supposed to be the ones who can discern between what's real and what's not. The ones who can say no to what's, what's not good and yes to what is. And, and at this point in our culture, we have, we've completely gone upside down. Isn't it wild how crazy it's become where, where lies are taken for truth, truth are taken for lies. We are an entire culture of children at this point. And Paul says, no, that's not why you're here. You're here to get built up so that you can be an adult, that you can know the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus commands and demands of us today. But it's not going to be you pulling yourself up by the bootstraps to do that. No, God's given gifts to the person in the pew next to you to make it happen. That's the next thing in your note sheets. You're gifted. You're meant to help the person next to you become an adult, a spiritual adult, capable of knowing the truth and spotting lies. And I don't like to be, uh, you know, I try to avoid politics for the most part, um, but we are definitely entering into a culture that is increasingly, increasingly hostile to the truth of who God is and what God wants from us. So did you notice that one line right before this? And this is, I think, I think the, the crux, the core of why the Spirit has, has distributed gifts to every single person here. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Ministry uh, is not like, it's not the word that we, we use a lot anymore. Um, at least only, we only use it in church circles. But in, in the ancient, ancient Near East, ministry uh, meant not just something for churches. It was something for everyone. Everyone had a ministry. That is kind of like a job or um, something that you've been tasked with to accomplish. It wasn't just like, I mean, you say, oh, you do ministry. Like in the church, that means like you preach or you teach or you hang out with kids or you, you know, play guitar. Or you, that, that's kind of how we think of ministry. But that's not ministry at all. Ministry is anything that the church needs to do in order to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything. And in order to do that, you've got to be equipped. You've got to have the tools, the skills, the abilities in order to make that happen. Maybe my favorite part of every like sports or action movie is the montage. You know the montage? I almost, I was this close to uh, playing uh, from the original Rocky, the, the video clip. It's, it was too long, like three, three minutes, 13 seconds. Well, I, was, I was close because it's such an inspiring, awesome scene. I've got a few, uh, few pictures from it. Um, you, if you haven't seen Rocky, uh, you're too young and you don't care. It's, uh, it's not a bad movie. It kind of holds up in its own way. Um, but what's really cool about the movie, the best part for me personally, is when Rocky you know, he says, that's it. I'm going to work. I'm going to be a champion. And so he puts a whole bunch of raw eggs and he drinks them. And he does one-arm push-ups. It's cool, too, if you watch, if you watch it closely. The, the guy on the left there is counting. Uh, you don't get to hear it because the music is over. So he's counting. One-arm push-ups, 48, 49, 50, and then it cuts at 50. That's a lot of one-arm push-ups. I think the only person here who could probably pull that off would be Steve Malapart. You could. You could do it. 
Uh-huh. Okay, Marine Recon. All right. Uh-huh. Then there's the bit where he's running through the city, and there's an awesome part where, like, people are all rooting for him. Like, go, Rocky, go. And the guy throws him an orange, catches it on the run. He's like, oh. It's an awesome movie. Uh, what's the point? What's the point of, of these scenes? Well, the, the point is that it takes too long to explain uh, what people must do in order to prepare for their mission. And so we do a montage to speed it up. But it's just, it's critical. It's critical because no one's going to believe that Rocky can take the ring with, you know, Creed or the Russian guy or Mr. T or whomever and really win unless he's put himself through a rigorous, brutal training. And the reason for that is because the enemies are strong. His opponents are a big deal. And only somebody who has really worked hard is going to even have a chance in the ring with him. Paul understands that even though we have victory in Christ, we can expect a really, really big fight when we leave this place. There is a really, really big fight waiting for us. And if you haven't noticed it, um, you haven't been paying attention. Everything um, that, not everything, but a lot of most of what uh, God has called uh, human beings to be is under assault. It's happening um, in our schools. It's happening on Netflix. Um, It's happening everywhere. And if you are going to go out and be able to stand up, you better have done your training. It's the last thing I know, Cheese. You're meant to train the person next to you for the big fight. Nate, your gift of making peace and, um, and helping people and making the world's best brisket, okay? You're meant to use that to train Ryder and Lindsay and me and Jack and Sue and Albert and Pat and John. Not so much Lauren. She seems to have things figured out. But Jacob for the big fight. That's a big task. But your gift is going to Give them the strength that they need in order to go and face a world that hates them. Right now, when we leave this place, the number one thing this world tells you is important is your identity. This is the most important thing. It's uh, where you're from. It's the color of your skin. It's um, the, the privileges you've had or have not had. That's, who make, that's what makes you you. That's what the culture tells you. We have to be the ones who tell each other, no. Jesus Christ is who makes us who we are. It's not about who you're sexually attracted to. It's not about those things. No, your identity, your identity is found in Jesus first. And then we can hash out the other things. And we should. The culture is going to tell you that the only thing um, that's going to make you happy is stuff. It's the next vacation. It's uh, the next car. It's, it's gears never, never showing up Bronco. That's what's 18 months, brother. Hang in there. That, that's what's, and finally when that comes, then you're going to be, then you're finally going to be happy. 
right? It's, yeah, it's, it's the next drink. It, it's the next uh, piece of steak. It's the next, that, that's the only, but, and, and never will the culture tell you that no, what's actually going to give you sustenance to make you go through is the joy of the Lord, the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. We're at a crossroads in this place. We're at a crossroads where um, the majority of people believe this is all there is. You only live once, so you better, you know, fill it up with all the stuff, you know, um, because you're going to be gone, dead and gone. The culture is going to tell you that the only thing that can truly make you happy is to search inside yourself for, you know, the, the right sexual partner and the right um, uh, gender identity and, and the right... Um, you know, ethnicity and, 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 and put you at odds. And that's, that's what's going to truly give you hope in life. We say, no. We say, Jesus. But I'm telling you, friends, it is a really, really big fight. And so everybody here whether you're young or old, once you believed in Jesus, you've been implanted with the Spirit, and the Spirit dwells in you and gives you a gift. And whatever that gift is, or many gifts, if you're not using it to train up the person next to you, you are leaving them out to dry. You're leaving them, hang- you're leaving them hanging. And they're not going to have what it takes when we get out there and, 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 the, and the, the culture starts crushing us. We're going to get smashed if we don't do this. But if we do... We're going to win the big fight. We're going to hold fast. We're going to keep the faith. And we're going to come into a glorious inheritance when we rise again in Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters, be ready for the big fight. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for the gifts that you've given so many that we've seen of giving, of encouraging, of showing mercy and compassion, of teaching. In so many ways, you've equipped us, God, to, to train the people next to us to get ready for this big fight in this, this hostile world. God, build up your church. Build up this church. Equip us for the work, the task of ministry. Give us the the ability to, to, to discern between truth and lie. To have faith that, that rests on the cornerstone of the resurrection of your son. May we be a people of light, of your power. And may we never stop giving you the glory for the good work that you're creating in us. In Jesus' name, by whose grace we have been saved through faith and nothing else, we pray. Amen.